Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. It's such a joy to be in worship with you today, Kindred Church. As we prepare our hearts to hear today's message, will you pray with me? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations on all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Now, to quote Phil Collins, I can't dance. Now that doesn't mean that I'm afraid to dance. You know, it's, it's like I'll start busting some moves and I think I'm looking like Justin Timberlake, but really I kind of look like a Teletubby. The, the last time we had a middle school mission camp, the videographer caught footage of me dancing to the music at a sweet potato gleaning project. You know, my hips don't lie, my arms are going to town, I'm having a good time. And then at the end of the week, they showed the dance footage uh, for this video montage. And I kid you not, they froze the frame on a particularly awkward pose and labeled me OMB, Old Man Basic. Ouch. And yet, accurate. Now, when my kids were little, we had this large living room with wooden floors. One of our favorite activities to do was to move the couch back and open up the floor, crank some YouTube music videos, and have dance parties with Beyonce. I may have been a terrible dancer, but my kids were too young to care, and I loved my kids too much to care. The three of us would dance all around the room, circling in and out of each other, laughing, singing, and shaking our groove thing. Spiritual author Wayne Dyer once said, when you dance, your purpose is not to get a certain place on the floor. It's to enjoy each step along the way. You know, the early church had a way of talking about God as a divine dance that I think is particularly useful for the church today. We tend to think of God as this very static Uh, patriarchal sort of being. God is like Zeus, ruling from the sky, from a distance, judgmental, wrathful. And Jesus came to die to save us from God's anger. And the Holy Spirit does, I don't know, whatever the Holy Spirit does, something important. Today is Trinity Sunday in the life of the church. And instead of giving you something deeply doctrinal to take a nap to, I want to invite you to come with me into the divine dance of a holy God. Now, I I can't dance, but that doesn't mean I'm afraid to dance. And the point is not so much that you walk away with three important important points about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The point is to enjoy each step along the way. So let's push the couch up to the side, turn up the music, and see what happens. So we are finite creatures, right? Our ability to understand is limited from the start. And God is infinite. I mean, think about the first time you tried to wrap your brain around the concept of eternity. When did everything begin? What came before all that? When will everything end? 
What comes after that? Or, or think about the universe. Does it ever end? And if so, what's on the other side? You know, these basic ideas about time and space are just too big to describe. So how are we supposed to describe a God who is literally bigger than time and space? Our limited and finite minds, we want categories, right? We want to contain the uncontainable. It helps us make sense of life and the world. We want to learn the right dance moves so we can do the Cupid shuffle correctly. I see this all the time in youth ministry. As adolescents begin to develop abstract thinking skills, they suddenly have these questions about the Christian faith. And the temptation of the church is to answer these challenges with doctrine. This is what the church believes. You must learn, learn it in confirmation and be able to repeat it back. Here are the creeds, accept them at face value. Here are our black and white ethics. Live by them and you're saved. Now, let me be the first to tell you that step number one in dancing the divine dance is doctrine is to serve God's action. What we believe always needs to follow what God is actually up to in scripture and in the present. If you wanna be able to talk about who God is, you need to be paying attention to what God does. Maybe the best way to illustrate it is with a story from Exodus 3. You see, Moses was a long way from his people. He had once been a prince among slaves. He had been seen an Egyptian abusing one of his own Hebrew people. And in a fit of righteous anger, Moses murdered the Egyptian slave master. And then he ran off and hid in the wilderness for decades, going from a prince to a wanted and yet unknown man. One day Moses was tending the sheep in the wilderness when he came across the divine dance. This time the divine dance appeared as a flaming bush, yet somehow the bush was not destroyed by the flames. Up until this moment, Moses had his own ideas, his own doctrines about who God is. God is Elohim, the creator of all things, the God of gods, the ruler of the universe, and God does not have much time for the affairs of a shepherd who got away with murder. God does not take interest in the suffering of the Hebrew slaves. But a voice came from the bush, and experience happened that challenged all of Moses' doctrines. The divine dance knew his name. The voice cried out, Moses! Moses, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, Abraham's God, Isaac's God, and Jacob's God. I've clearly seen my people oppressed in Egypt. I've heard their cry of injustice because of their slave masters. I know about their pain. I've come down to rescue them from the Egyptians in order to take them out of that land and bring them to a good and broad land, a land that's full of milk and honey. So get going, Moses. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. 
The divine dance is revealed to Moses through the story of God's action in the life of Moses' ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This God is not a list of ideas, but an active participant in the story of humanity. But Moses offers excuses. Moses offers questions. Who is sending me? What's your name? After all, there's power in a name. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. The Hebrew name is Yahweh, the God of Moses. The God of Moses' ancestors is a God of redemption, a God who calls forth and sends forth, a God who speaks. And through the action of God, Moses is called to act. And that's the first step of the divine dance. Remember, doctrine is to serve God's action. What we believe about God must always be rooted in what God has done and what God is doing. And what God is doing is constantly inviting people to participate in the divine dance. It's like God is always looking for a dance partner. In the Matrix trilogy, uh, the character Seraph says to Neo, you do not truly know someone until you fight them. And Moses fought with God, but eventually decided to participate in God's call to action. In this context, I'd like to say maybe you do not truly know someone until you dance with them. God invites us to join in step with what the divine dance is up to in the world. And the only way we get to know God is through joining in partnership. But the God named Yahweh refuses categories. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. And in this burning bush, we learn that God is for us. God is specifically for the Israelites, the oppressed and enslaved people whose ancestors God had blessed. We find in today's scripture reading that God's love for Israel is expanded through Christ. Ephesians 1.5 says, God destined us to be his adopted children through Jesus Christ because of his love. And then in verse 10, this is what God planned for the climax of all times, to bring all things together in Christ, the things in heaven along with the things on earth. God is who God is, and God will be who God will be. And God is decidedly for us. And what that looks like is relationship. God has adopted us to be God's children, not because of anything that we have said or done, but because God loves us. Knowing who God is reveals who we are, and who we are is beloved. And as Romans 8.31 declares, if God is for us, who can be against us? Christians often refer to God as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we tend to use masculine pronouns to describe God. Now, we should pause to acknowledge the thousands of years of agrarian, Middle Eastern, patriarchal, and even imperialistic influences on the shaping of Scripture's language that have shaped our present imagination to think of God as masculine. I still hold on to the language of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because I find something deeply personal in the way that Jesus referred to God as Abba. It's, it's a child's word, like my son calls me Dada. It's a name of safety and endearment. 
God, our Abba, is like the patriarch is is not like the patriarchal ruler of the, at the top of the food chain. This this Yahweh called Abba belongs to a divine dance, always giving and always for the other. We call Jesus the Son of God and the Son of Man, both terms that insist that he was both fully human and somehow fully God. And Jesus revealed just how for us God was, that the unnameable and unknowable creator of the universe would take on human form and become a vulnerable Israelite child. That this child would grow to heal the sick and befriend the marginalized. That this man would die for the sins of the world, proving God's love toward us. That this is God's action in history, revealing to us who God is. If God the Father is God for us, then Jesus the Son is God with us. Jesus is God experiencing the fullness of human existence, walking with us through temptation, through suffering, even through death. Jesus is the wisdom, the Sophia, the divine feminine of God. And and Jesus is also the logos, the logical pattern of the universe, the word of God that brings order and meaning and purpose. Jesus is the Christ, the cosmic victor over every empire that seeks to crush human dignity and worth. And Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us until the very end and even beyond. What we learn from Jesus' action is step number two of the divine dance. God's pattern is death and resurrection. If we are invited to participate in the divine dance, to be partners with God, then we enter that pattern of loss and renewal. We deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow this crucified, risen Lord. Every time we face suffering and death, we trust that this loss, this self-emptying, this surrender will lead to new life, rebirth, an expanded and abundant level of being. Most of us would rather bypass this fundamental pattern of God, though. Father Richard Rohr explains, we want resurrection without death, answers without doubt, light without darkness, the conclusion without the process. We struggle and, and fight against God and ask, why do you let bad things happen to good people? And we are answered with Christ on the cross, and then we are answered again with the empty grave. God's very self is relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three continually self-emptying into one another all three continually giving to creation, all three continually loving one another completely. And in that love, they are one. As we join God's pattern of death and resurrection, we surrender ourselves as well, and we join the one God. So we've learned that doctrine is to serve God's action, and God's action has revealed that God is for us. God's action has also revealed that God is with us through the pattern of death and resurrection. Now, through the Holy Spirit, God's action reveals that God is within us. Yahweh, I am who I am, has always been trying to be close to God's people. We saw it in the Garden of Eden when God walked and talked with Adam and Eve. We saw it with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob when God blessed and wrestled with this growing nation of Israel. 
We saw it in the Exodus when God rescued Israel. We saw it in the tabernacle and then in the temple when God made a home amid Israel. We even saw it in the exile when God promised to raise the people to new life. But nowhere is it more clear that God wants to be close to us than in the release of the Holy Spirit. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit made a home in every single human being. A spark of the divine dance is alive in every person, beckoning us to come and dance with God. John Wesley expressed it this way, it's the first wish to please God, the first dawn of light concerning his will, and the first slight transient conviction of having sinned against him. Richard Rohr refers to the Holy Spirit as a homing device put inside you and in all creation too. He goes on to say, for all our stupidity and mistakes, there's in everything this deep internal dignity convinced of its own value. This divine indwelling keeps insisting, I am what I am seeking. The Holy Spirit of God already alive and at work within you is calling you to meet this Jesus who put the Spirit in you in the first place. She's calling you to meet this Abba, Yahweh, who sent Jesus so that God could be with you. The Father sends the Son, the Son sends the Spirit, the Spirit draws you back into the Father in this beautiful circular dance. And my friends, we were made to dance. Through the Holy Spirit, we find that the third step of the dance looks a lot like prayer and responsive action. We respond to what God is already doing in the world and in us. Prayer is the movement of the Holy Spirit in you to connect with God's heart for healing, forgiveness, and reconciliation. It's the spark of God in you wanting to connect you to infinite Yahweh. It's how we can join Christ in calling our Creator Abba. Prayer is listening to that homing device in your heart and saying, God, I want what you want. I desire what you desire. And where my wants and desires are out of sync with yours, restore me more and more to look like Christ Jesus. Prayer is not a transaction with some great Santa Claus in the sky. It's, it's a deep and personal connection that reestablishes the image of God in us. And, and this prayer turns into responsive action. The Holy Spirit fills you to the brim with God's grace so that it spills out into the world through your words and actions. Your life begins to be patterned after the divine dance, the pattern of death and resurrection, of surrender and new life. It's why Jesus said the greatest commandment was twofold. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. To love God is to love your neighbor whom God created. And to love your neighbor is to love God. Prayer leads to action. Action leads to prayer because we can't do it on our own. We are finite, limited beings who must draw strength from the infinite, unlimited God. The Apostle Paul calls this the ministry of reconciliation. As we join the Christ who reconciles all things to himself, in heaven and on earth. 
Jesus is doing the work, and we are invited to make it happen on earth as it is in heaven. Because of God's action in human history, we came to believe what is expressed in 1 John 4, 16, that, that God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. Love is active. Love is a verb. God cannot not love. God doesn't choose to love. God is love. God is for us. God is with us, and God is within us. The Holy Spirit is often described as the relationship between the Father and the Son. And that relationship lives within every single human being, calling us to communion, calling us to recognize and embody the fullness of our worth and dignity. And we have worth and dignity. If we have that, then so does every other part of creation in whom the Spirit is moving. And if dignity is everywhere, then we are partners in Christ's ministry to affirm that worth in all creation. We are partners in the ministry of reconciliation to black lives and all people of color. We are partners in the ministry of reconciliation to Asian Americans and Native Americans. We are called to proclaim the image of God within women everywhere, with the LGBTQ community with differently abled communities, with the poor, the sick, the imprisoned, with the created world, even with our enemies. We see the dignity everywhere, and we, jo we join the divine dance by emptying ourselves so that we can experience new life in all things. Like I said, I can't dance, but that doesn't mean that I'm afraid to dance. I like to imagine that Jesus was a pretty bad dancer like me. I mean, the man was a carpenter and a teacher. Can't you just see him doing the sprinkler at the wedding of Cana? Uh, maybe you hear this word today and it, it brings you hope. Hope for a bigger God, a, a closer God, a God who sees you and transforms you. Or, or maybe you hear this word today and it just muddied the waters too much. It, it's too much to wrap the brain around. God seems too difficult to grasp. We talk about God as Trinity because, because God has been revealed to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's okay if you don't get the lingo down. After all, what we believe must always follow God's action. And God is acting. God is dancing with creation, bringing all things together in Christ, whose very pattern is death and resurrection. God is for you. God is with you. God is within you. I hope you enjoy the dance. Amen. Meaningful to you? Consider sharing it with a friend who might also enjoy it. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast here and give us a rating that helps us connect with more listeners. This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select Give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.